Good morning, historians from around the internet. Welcome back to the Old History Podcast, part of the Old History Project, where the goal is really to just bring history to light. Just stuff to talk about, you know, things, certain things people might not know. That's just the goal here. So we'll just go right into news. Uh, so some cool things that have happened the last little while, really cool things. So I did get to go out to the Rural Mountain House, which is out in... Uh, it's here in Hamlin County. It's out on the other end, past the old Inca plant. No trespassing, by the way. It's their locked gate. Dude has cows that will, you know, they're pretty, pretty mean. Let me tell you, folks, that house is in spectacular shape. It's it was built in 1799. From it was made from ashlar limestone. So the it's the complete outside structure, the chimneys as well as even the fireplaces and the window seals uh, are all limestone and that's so cool to know because at a time when most of this area was still you know for the most part a the wild frontier you know so to speak it was Tennessee but some most of the area settlement was still pretty far out you know spread pretty far and for this man to just Build a limestone house when most people built log cabins, two-story log cabins. You know, it says a lot about who he was. His name was Alexander Outlaw, and he was a frontiersman and a statesman. You know, was on the council of state of Franklin, Tennessee, and North Carolina. Was on the uh, conventions that ratified the U.S. and the Tennessee constitutions, respectively. So you know, it just says he took the time to. He had to pay for. To have it have it cut or quarried, had to pay to have it cut, and then had to pay to have the house built. Super spectacular. I did film it for the YouTube channel. So if you haven't seen it yet, head on over. Secondly, I'd like to thank my good friend uh, Jay Silva for the Kingsport, Tennessee downtown video. Um super cool video. Um he sent it to me, I guess he got it from his friend his neighbor uh, it shows downtown Kingsport Tennessee in the late 1950s and just shows you a lot of cool things that are different from now like well of course obviously there's not a phone in everybody's hand and then secondly just the way everybody carried themselves you know in the golden age the style the cars you know the clothes that they wore even for a you know place in Tennessee so the, the videos on YouTube uh, it's not mine uh, I'll, I'll say that it belongs to Jay uh, but anyway thanks Jay that's an awesome video so let's just dive right into the podcast all right so it's raining here in Tennessee so we talked about you know over the last few weeks we've talked about the American Revolution or the road to independence, excuse me. Talked about the Boston Massacre. We've talked about the Intolerable Acts. You know, we talked about the French and Indian War at some time before that. And, you know, we've, all of that has led to the, th this point here. Last week we talked about, I believe, the Continental Congress and the Declaration of Independence, which, honestly, that deserves its own its very own podcast by itself so 
First and Second Continental Congress, you know, they established militias and said, hey, I really don't want to be part of Britain anymore. What happened next? So that that's a broad question, but but to answer it in simple forms, the American Revolution happened and we gained our freedom. So now to say that we gained our freedom, we did gain freedom, so to speak, when we signed the declaration and sent it to uh, old King George. But had we lost, you know, they just would have, well, they would have wiped the little Minutemen out and it would have been nothing but a wipe on history. So the first part of the American Revolution and the most important to talk about would be Lexington and Concord, a.k.a. Uh, where the shot heard around the world happened. So this is the first battle of the American Revolution where, it, and then basically in short, Massachusetts, uh, they defied British authority. Uh, they outnumbered and outfought the Redcoats. And this was the start to a very long war, you know, to earn their freedom. So before the battle, uh, British Lieutenant Colonel Francis Smith assembled 700 regulars under his command to capture and destroy military stores, presumably hidden by the Massachusetts militia at Concord. When the King's troops depart for Boston on Concord on the evening of April 18th, uh, anti-British intelligence quickly informed uh, the Patriot leader Joseph Warren, Dr. Joseph Warren, about their intentions. Dr. Warren sends their riders for Paul Revere uh, and William Dawes to, to spread the alarm. Revere takes a short water route from Boston across the harbor to Charlestown while Dawes rides out across Boston Neck. Revere and Dawes depart Boston around 10 p.m. At the same time, two lanterns briefly flicker from the Old North Church steeple. A prearranged signal designed by Revere to alert the Patriot Network that the British will row across Boston Harbor instead of marching out over the neck. And that's something, you know, I remember learning about that in school. But they never actually went into it this deep. You know, I feel that certain things ought to be taught more, certain things less. But anyway, on reaching out, you know, on reaching the Charleston town shore, I want to call it Charleston, Revere mounted and began his ride to Lexington. As he passes through the towns of Somerville, uh, Medford, and Monotony, uh, Arlington, we'll, we'll call it Arlington, other riders set out, guns fire, and the church bells peal, all warning the countryside of what was on the way. The Minutemen grabbed their uh, weapons and headed for the town green followed by the rest of a militia. By the time the British crossed the water, word of their arrival had already reached Concord. So, basically, you know, there's no need in saying during the battle, talking about that, what happened during, is basically almost 4,000 American to almost 1,500 British. They were almost, the British were, you know, outnumbered two to one. Three to one. So, so the numerically, you know, superior British killed seven Americans on Lexington Green and then marched off to Concord. New regiments who had joined them, but 
American militias arriving at Concord basically told the British advance no, stopped them right dead in their tracks. When the British retreated towards Boston, new waves of colonial uh, militia intercepted them, shooting them from behind fences, trees, uh, you know, houses. The militias inflicted over 125 casualties, including several officers. The ferocity of this encounter surprised both sides. And let's just back up here. I don't think I've ever covered why they're called Minutemen. The, the colonial militias were originally put in place and organized to defend the settlers from civil unrest and attacks by the French, by Native Americans, some sort of enemy. And selected members of this militia were called Minutemen because they were supposed to be ready to fight in a minute's time. And that honestly, that deserves a video on why, how they could be ready. But uh, nonetheless, uh, continuing on, the, the whole first, very first person that died at Lexington and Concord was across the threshold. And the momentum from these events, you know, basically, it basically, there was already a divide between the colonists and the British. And it basically just kind of stuck the nail in the coffin. And there's really nothing much else to talk about, you know, getting into Lexington and uh, Concord outside of the casualties. It's really important, you know, the British conducted a fight until they reached the cover of British guns on ships anchored out in the Boston Harbor. The Patriots chased them, but having no clear orders, ultimately let them ex escape. The wake of Lexington Concord, Governor Gage found Boston facing a huge militia of men who had arrived from throughout all over New England to fight for liberty. When they were around uh, 20,000. This force would ultimately become part, uh, part of the uh, Continental Army. So the casualties from this battle would be 93 American to 300 British. And you can go into that a little deeper, uh, but you get the idea. And a little bit else to talk about would be shortly after the battle, an express rider carried the news to New Haven, Connecticut, where a local militia commander and wealthy shopkeeper named Benedict Arnold demanded the keys to a local powder house. He armed himself and paid money from his own pocket to outfit a group of militia from Massachusetts. Arnold and his men set off for upstate New York, and he was searching for artillery that was badly needed for the colonial effort. And well, he figured that he could commandeer uh, some cannons by capturing Fort Ticonderoga, which was a relic from, you know, the French and Indian War some, some years ago. So up in the Hampshire Grants, which is now uh, somewhere part of somewhere up in Vermont, I can't talk today. Ethan Allen led a group called the Green Mountain Boys. They also had the idea to capture Fort Ticonderoga. So these two actually ended up working together and surprised the very uh, poorly banned, poorly manned British fort just before dawn on May 10th, 1775. The, it's been said that the fort's commander was asleep and surrendered in his PJs. Something cool to know.
So that's just been a little bit about Lexington and Concord. And just one more thing. You know, I talked about, I think everywhere in school said Paul Revere's Midnight Ride said the British are coming. That's not true. Because most of the people living in the town still considered themselves to be British. You know, he would have said the regulars because the regulars were known to be British soldiers. So it's thought that Paul Revere said the regulars are coming. You know, just, just for you school-age kids out there, if you listen to the podcast, tell your teacher that, see if they know it. So nonetheless, this has been a really cool podcast. Um, some reason I tried to upload it earlier, and it wouldn't let me upload past 15 minutes. I don't know what's going on with that. But when you're when you get into the American Revolution, yes, we declared independence, but we had to fight for it and show the British that hey, we're nothing to mess with, or they would just keep coming back because they had a huge army, and we just had a bunch of country boys who had almost no experience. Not to say that in the wrong way, but you get the idea. If we just kind of laid down and fought them once or twice, they would just came back and wiped this little traitorous bunch of colonies right off the map. But there's more to that, too. So we'll continue talking about, you know, the whole Revolutionary War next week. I think the next thing to cover, let's see, where is it? Be Bunker Hill, uh, Valley Forge, or maybe Saratoga. So nonetheless, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast, and see you guys next time. Oh, and if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the podcast. Also, if you're a historian out there, uh, think about getting yourself a membership with the East Tennessee Historical Society. Great bunch of people down there. You can call down there and talk to, I think her name is Stephanie, don't take my word for it. Uh, Really cool people. Have a good day.